G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. 2020, bringing a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Weekdays on UCB's Vision Radio Network. Find out more at vision.org.au. Special guest to introduce us to this hour and someone you would be very familiar with if you're a long-time listener to Vision, uh, someone who does a regular spot on 2020, and that is, of course, our Middle East reporter, Ron Ross, who is joining us today face-to-face. We normally hear Ron on a Tuesday. Uh, So, Ron, uh, a special welcome to you. Uh, Welcome to 2020. Thank you very much, Neil. Ron, you have got a long history in journalism and you've got a long history with the people of Israel. Uh, Let's just... uh, Let's just set things into a bit of context here. Uh, Journalism-wise, you were a teenager when you got your first job as a journalist, and uh, these days there's quite a few grey hairs on your head. Uh, (laughs) uh, How many years is that now, or do you not care to actually count? You made me go back a bit. That's about 60 years ago uh, (laughs) uh, when I started at 2WL in Wollongong, and uh, I was there as a panel operator, and very short time I was in the sports department. Uh, doing weekend sports, and uh, one of the highlights at that time was a jazz music program, which I really loved. And then uh, the announcement came for the license, the television license, uh, coming to Wollongong, and I applied for that and got the job. So I was with Win TV before they went on the air, and now they're a national network, and Win actually stands for Wollongong, Illawarra, New South Wales, and I was there before it all started. Wow. Well, uh, certainly if you're thinking about depth of journalism, uh, that's nice to know, isn't it, that our Middle East reporter has a 60-year career in journalism. And these days, Ron, you haven't stopped either because not only do you do your reports for us here on the Vision Radio Network regularly on a Tuesday, uh, but you're also on internet broadcasts around the world. Yes, we're, we're doing a Torah teaching uh, for Bridges for Peace uh, United States in May, uh, and that happens a couple of times a year. And uh, there are other opportunities during the year when we get to preach uh, and teach from the Word of God. Okay, so we're talking uh, areas here where we're talking media. Uh, the connections there, you mentioned Bridges for Peace. Uh, let's just uh, bring a little more context and talk about your passion for Israel. When did you first discover that Israel was important and that you were going to focus a whole lot of your energy on getting word out about truth as to what was being reported in Israel? For me, it started back in 1996, uh, my son-in-law and my daughter, Steve and Kerry Grace, uh, were taking a youth tour to Israel. And uh, they invited my wife, Yvonne, and myself to go along as chaplains on that tour. And I thought this was going to be a wonderful holiday and uh, Steve and Kerry would do all the work and it would be a load of fun. Uh, but I found the Holy Spirit really touched my life in a number of places around Israel, Uh particularly when we walk where Jesus walked and where Paul uh, preached and was tried in court. Um, some of those places still remain with me very vividly in the spirit. And uh, so it became alive for me then uh, that it was more than just bricks and mortar and it was more than just a word in newspaper headlines. And uh, so it, I was restless for Israel 
uh, from 1996 on. And we'll talk some more about that too, but uh, to mention another point you brought out there, that you are the father-in-law of Steve, the father of Kerry's, and Steve Grace is Australia's preeminent gospel music performer, and uh, all of our listeners would be familiar with the music of Steve Grace. He's a regular here on the Vision Radio Network too, but that's not the end of the musical talents that have come from your family. Uh, Tell us about the other performers that are a part of your family. Well, my son, Craig, Craig Ross, is the worship pastor at Good Life Community Church, and he brought out a series of albums a couple of months ago called For His Namesake, uh, and we're very proud of that. I I believe they're being played here on Vision FM. Uh, But his philosophy was that very often worship's all about us when indeed it's all about him. Uh, And so it was an outstanding um, collection of songs that he's written over the last couple of years uh, under the teaching of his pastor, Tim Lovell, who's been going through the Bible systematically, uh, and I know touched uh, many uh, lives. Uh, and then our grandchildren have formed a band called the Sky Pilot, and they've done a tour of uh, the United States. They've been back to do a shed tour with Steve, which ends uh, just ended. They're in Sydney today, uh, and they're on their way home, but very shortly they're heading back to America and uh, then as a family, we're all gathering together in August in Canada uh, when our grandson, uh, Taylor, uh, will marry his beautiful Brittany. And uh, they've invited me to conduct the service and uh, the grandkids will be the groomsmen. And we're taking over Canada in August uh, for people who are interested. <laughs> OK. And there's more dimensions, too, to talk about uh, before I get into some of the meaty issues that we're going to talk about today. And that is that you spent so many years, too, as the senior pastor in the Baptist Church. At Noosa Baptist Church. Yeah, wonderful place uh, and a great church, great people. Uh, it it was a, uh, a, a learning experience uh, to work in that environment. We'd... We'd done four years overseas at uh, Youth with a Mission in the University of the Nations. I did Bible college with them. And uh, during that time, uh, we did many outreaches into Asia, into Malaysia and the Philippines and Japan and, and New Zealand and other places around the world. Uh, and it, it, my heart has always been for evangelism, uh, to reach out to the lost. Uh, I shared with the staff this morning at the communion, James one twenty seven. There's always been a, a debate during the years when I've been pastoring where people say, um, Pastor, I don't know. I've got nothing to do. What can I do? Uh, and I, t- I turn people to James one twenty seven, uh, which says to religion that is pure and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit widows and orphans in their affliction and keep yourself unstained from the world. Uh, so if you visited every widow and every orphan in your town, you can say, I've got nothing to do. <laughs> I remember taking a team uh, in my YOM days to Singapore, and I had this uh, young fellow come up to me and say, well, you know, I've done what you asked me to do this morning. I've got nothing to do. And I pointed him around to a high-rise development section that had about 50,000 people living it or 50,000 families. And I said, when you door knock them all, come back and I'll give you something else to do. <laughs> so uh, yeah. uh, it's, it's been part of my life to, to reach out to the lost, to witness for Jesus wherever the opportunity comes, uh, and uh, we'll never tire of doing that. 
Well, what a pleasure it is to get to know you more deeply today, and I'm sure listeners will be enlightened by all of those different dimensions that there are to Ron Ross. We're going to get into some meaty issues, and issues to do with Israel, issues to do with the Middle East. And I want to invite listeners to participate in our conversation. You can call us, and you can join in our conversation. You might have your two bobs worth to say today. The number is one 800 Our talkback lines are open one one eight hundred eighty eight zero eighty seven six. 0876 Let's start with a big picture uh, topic uh, to get us underway here today, Ron. Uh, the value of talking about Israel today. Uh, what's so important about Israel, given uh, the controversies that are continually surrounding this nation? Why should Christians today be thinking about and be supportive of the nation of Israel? I <laughs> Uh, the answer to that to me is a no-brainer. Um, God, when he created the earth, chose to speak directly to the Israel people, to the Jewish people. He He laid down his mandate that we've read throughout the Old Testament uh, through the Jewish people. He, he, he raised up a priesthood. Uh, he called them a royal priesthood. Uh, he called them the apple of his eye. And he laid the foundation for our Christian faith uh, from... Every verse in the Old Testament uh, is the foundation for what we believe today. In fact, when Jesus preached, he didn't preach anything new. Everything he said came out of the Old Testament, out of the Torah, as a matter of fact. But when, when the Lord chooses a people, he, he even chose for Jesus to be born as a Jewish man. And it's fascinating to think that if Jesus came along in this century uh, or, or in the last century, he could end up in a Holocaust oven. Uh, and he could be mistreated in an anti-Semitic way uh, if he lived in this era. Uh, and so it's not a matter of worshipping Israel. I think that's very important. Idolatry is a sin. Uh, and there are many people who proclaim Israel to the point of idolatry. Jesus is Lord, not Israel. Uh, but my job as a Christian is to follow Christ. And he chose the Jewish people. And then out of the Jewish people, he he... He created a, a, a situation where uh, it was Rabbi Shlomo Riskin uh, back in Israel years ago who said to me, you know, Ron, we got to the point of disobedience. The Jewish people were disobedient. God told us to be a light to the nations, and we stayed in Jerusalem. Uh, and so God raised up the Apostle Paul, and he took the Torah and the Ten Commandments around the world, and for that we should be grateful. Uh, and so there's... Uh, I believe it was Derek Prince who called Israel God's timepiece. And if we want to understand what's happening around the world today, uh, if we keep our eyes on Israel and the scriptures, we'll get a fair idea of where God's at and what he's doing. So there is a sense, isn't there, when people say we have an Australian Christianity, that somewhere or other that Australian Christianity needs to intersect with what's happening in Israel today because Israel is still the nation that is filled with God's people. Uh, He's doing incredible things around the world, uh, bringing uh, Jews from uh, uh, places that they've been dispersed to uh, throughout particularly the last century, bringing them back to Israel. There is a sense in which when Israel becomes a focal point, our own Christianity in our Australian context actually takes on a deep meaning. Well, it's all about Jesus, not about Australia. It's uh, The Prime Minister is overseas uh, organising trade agreements with Japan and South Korea. 
Uh, and this government has a very good relationship with the government in Jerusalem, uh, with Benjamin Netanyahu, this Australian government right now. And uh, the Bible says in Genesis 12:3, if you bless Israel, you'll be blessed, and if you curse Israel, you'll be cursed. That hasn't been removed from the Bible. It's still a simple, basic fact. Uh, and uh, the world is shrinking. And Jewish people are all over the world, and they may be your next-door neighbor. And this is a wonderful opportunity uh, for us to begin a reconciliation with them where they're not looking at Christians as the people who were behind the pogroms. You know, I talked to many uh, Jewish people when I lived there, and every one of them's got a Holocaust story. But if, when you mention Jesus, some of them think of the pogroms and of the Christian crusaders who came and said, accept Jesus, and if you didn't, they were killed, uh, martyred. Uh, and uh, we've got to overcome memories like that by uh, re- responding in love. And uh, that's a basic tenet of what I said earlier about James one twenty seven. Religion that's pure and undefiled is not how well you sing a worship song. It's how you hear the word of God and do it. And so those hurts that people uh, in Israel have suffered, these are generational over hundreds or even thousands of years. These are deep-seated national hurts. Uh, so to overcome those, uh, the only response that we can bring is a response of love, uh, is an expons- a response of, uh, of an appropriate response when it comes to the, what you're talking about, a biblical response uh, to care and to love and to ensure that there is a, a relationship that's reborn, uh, rebirthed in such a way as that, uh, that people can be supportive of Israel. When I sat down and spoke with uh, Jewish leaders, uh, rabbis, you know, Benjamin Netanyahu is one of the most brilliant Bible scholars in Israel, and his son is the Bible champion of Jerusalem. And uh, Benjamin Netanyahu, as prime minister, was uh, at the ceremony to present the trophies to the winners of the Bible championship. And uh, his son was runner-up in the national Bible championship. And when Benjamin Netanyahu presented his son uh, with the trophy, He put his arm around his son's shoulders and said, you know, this young man will do more for Israel than I've ever done. And their son in response said, "Uh, I'm blessed because my father does Bible study with me at least two nights a week, uh, even though he's prime minister of Israel. And uh, we have a a situation uh, where we need to respond to a people who have accumulated many hurts throughout the centuries and uh, show them that we're a different kind of people, that we have unconditional love. And, you know, if I can be very superficial, I look at the arguments in our country uh, at the state of origin time uh, when hatred is the response when New South Wales plays Queensland or we have bitter rivalries with Victoria. Take that on the international level or go back to the debate that I had with many, many Jewish people who said, you come to us and preach to us about Jesus being the, uh, 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 the God of love. How is it you Christians debate each other so passionately in public and you express in ways that would say that you hate one another? How is it that you can proclaim Jesus as the God of love when churches that worship him can't love one another? Uh, that's pretty hard to debate. 
We will continue our conversation and your opportunity to give us a call and make your contribution to our conversation today. The number is one eight hundred eighty eight zero eighty seven six. That's one eight hundred eighty eight zero eighty seven six. We're going to be talking about all sorts of controversial issues this hour. We'll talk about those peace talks uh, between Israel and the Palestinians. Uh, we'll talk about Iran and the nuclear threat. Those things are ahead of us today on twenty twenty. Do stay with us, Ron Ross is our special guest. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective, 2020. It's Neil with you, Ron Ross, our special guest this hour. We are talking through issues to do with Israel and the Middle East. Uh, Ron, uh, we want to get into some of the meaty stuff today too. Uh, One of the big things, there is an ongoing, and it seems to have been ongoing now for generation upon generation, and that is peace talks between Israel and the Palestinians. This is something that probably isn't likely to end any time soon, but what are the latest things that you've been uh, gleaning well, on Monday, uh, we had a situation where a senior Palestinian official uh, came out and accused Israel of using the crisis in the negotiations to shore up its list of demands. Uh, at the request of the parties, the U.S. facilitated a meeting between Israeli and Palestinian negotiators to continue the intensive effort to resolve the differences. Now, I don't think that the differences will ever be resolved And in my uh, definition of understanding Jesus Christ as the Prince of Peace, uh, I see his return as the final solution to the Middle East peace crisis. I think uh, the Bible says that Jerusalem will remain a stumbling block and that many will stumble over it, and I think this is part of that process. Is there a sense in which while the two sides are talking, there is an uneasy or perhaps unstable peace, but there is, in in a sense, a peace that is there in the Middle East while the two sides uh, face off uh, and their differences are raised? It's an amazing situation to watch the, um, the Arabs and Jews who live together, how prosperous they are. Uh, one of the towns that's like that is an Arab town called Abu Ghosh. And uh, the International Board of Bridges for Peace often went there to enjoy the hospitality of the Arab community. And the Arab community there quite openly expressed that they were blessed because they lived in peace uh, with the Jewish people. And we've had a situation in the last month uh, where Christian Arabs have come out openly on the streets of Tel Aviv and have said to the boycotting movement, we don't want your boycotts against Israel. This is our home. This is our nation. And uh, my good friend, the journalist Khaled Abu Tobay, who writes for the Jerusalem Post, has told me many, many times uh, that the conditions that are best for Arabs in the Arab world is in Israel, uh, where they get social welfare, they get benefits, uh, they get uh, minimum uh, wages, and uh, I often said to Khaled, how is it you haven't been assassinated because he's very anti uh, Mahmoud Abbas, the leader of the Palestinian Authority. And he said, because I'm expressing the opinion of the Arabs in Israel and we don't want the Israel government to be overthrown. We don't want to be returned to Ramallah where we've got to come under a dictatorship and live according to the terrorists. And and I, I my heart goes out to the innocent Arabs living in that environment, in areas that are controlled by Hamas and Fatah, because they've got to toe the line or be ridiculed. And I know that journalists who live in those areas are under terrible censorship not to be critical of their leadership because of the dangers to their families. And so 
our hearts should go out to the Arabs in those uh, situations. Uh, but it's a, a, a difficult one, and it's one that many a president in the United States has set out to try and solve and made profound speeches about, uh, but they're not getting anywhere fast. Here we are on the other side of the world, and uh, as a journalist veteran of 60 years, uh, you can pick uh, truth in a news item and you perhaps uh, can easily pick up where there's a whole lot of uh, uh, propaganda, perhaps. Uh, what we are hearing through secular media doesn't always line up with your understanding of what's happening and with attitudes on the ground in Israel. What are your thoughts on the way that uh, Middle East issues are reported in the media? Uh, we had a situation way back in the first period of time that we were in Israel uh, where we were taken to an area that was being constantly shelled uh, from Bethlehem. And uh, it was a, a terrible, terrible situation. Uh, I was with a group of pastors from the United States and I looked at the walls around me and uh, they were all riddled with shrapnel uh, contact. And I had a woman leaning out over a balcony and I waved for her to come down and she shared with me how her son uh, used to crawl on his hands and knees to get to the refrigerator to try and get a drink of milk uh, because guns were being fired from uh, St. Anne's Cathedral below. And the whole idea of that was to try and get the Israeli soldiers to respond and to fire towards the cathedral. And then the propaganda would be the Jews have attacked the Christian church. Uh, and the other thing that we found uh, very difficult to understand was often when the Western journalists went into that region, they had Arab translators with them and the journalists didn't go all the way in. They sent their Arab translators and so they came back with a warped opinion. Carlo Dabotome told me that he went to uh, a situation uh, when Yasser Arafat was in Ramallah and while they were there, he was there as a translator for two journalists from America, and three men were brought out and shot in front of them. And uh, Coloured got the details and ran it in the Jerusalem Post. And a week later, he got a call from an editor in a newspaper in America saying, I had two journalists with you. Why didn't they cover the story? And he said, because it doesn't fulfill your bias. Um, and that's not true of all the journalists there. There's some very courageous journalists working there. Uh, but there is a bias in many places. Uh, I'm profoundly upset uh, how the Western media ignores the bitter persecution of Christians at the moment in the Middle East. I had a story this week uh, of a girl who was uh, brutally treated uh, for three weeks and seven men a day were sent into her to brutalise her uh, and her family were told to pay a ransom. And at the end of three weeks, when that ransom wasn't paid, they cut off her face. Uh, and these stories are too gross uh, to be told in detail, but that's just one of many. And, of course, you're talking about nations like Syria and some of those surrounding nations there where there is just dreadful uh, things that are coming against uh, Christians, uh, Christians caught in the middle of a whole uh, set of civil war circumstances. What about Christians in Israel, Ron? Uh, are Christians generally safe there? And uh, and uh, how are they considered in Israel by perhaps by the Jews and by the Arabs who also live in Israel as well? 
I think the environment for Christians generally in Israel has changed dramatically in the last six, seven years. Uh, when the uh, We were part of the congregation that opened King of Kings Fellowship in the heart of Jerusalem. And I remember when we went there, uh, we had a three-day ceremony to open that church. We, uh, Wayne Hillsden is the senior pastor there, and they bought out uh, an old dilapidated movie theater in the heart of Jerusalem and uh, reconstructed that into a church. And in those opening three days, there were people throwing stones as we went to worship. Uh, all of that's gone now. And in recent times, uh, under the prime ministership of Bibi Netanyahu, there's been a softening towards the Christian community to the point where the Knesset unleashed a series of tax benefits for the synagogues of Israel. And a month ago, they extended those tax benefits to the Messianic synagogues. So the churches in in, in Israel are getting the same benefits uh, from the government as the uh, Jewish synagogues. So, uh, and the Christian Arabs have now got permission to be enlisted in the Israel army because they want to defend the freedom of Israel. And so there's been tremendous uh, improvement in the relationship. Uh, When Ariel Sharon was prime minister, there was a different concern. He wanted to get rid of 20,000 Christians a year out of Israel, and that was primarily because the largest uh, Christian population in Israel is Arab. And he thought that if he shut down the visas, he would get rid of 20,000 Arabs. But it affected many people who were very genuine missionaries to the place, who are doing a wonderful work in supporting the poor in Israel. And so all of that's turned around and we're rejoicing. Ron Ross is our guest. We're talking through issues to do with Israel and the Middle East and uh, some fascinating uh, types of uh, things still to come in the types of things that we'll talk about. Uh, let's take a call. John is in Melbourne. Hello, John. Welcome to 2020. Hello, Neil. Um, just want to speak to Ron, if you don't mind. Yes, absolutely. Yep. Thank you. Um, Ron, I was just going to ask, do you think the West has become really arrogant in a way that we think that, um, you know, it's not going to affect us? I mean, um, with the, uh, all these uh, bombings and all this terrorism and all the Christians that are getting, you know, obviously, um, you know, brutally killed. Um, how come in the West we just seem to think that we're invisible in a way, like it's not going to happen to us? And if they're doing it to them, I'd say we're next. You know, it's just time, isn't it? There was an old, uh, uh, when Bishop Desmond Tutu uh, preached in Ramallah years ago, uh, he was rejoicing that everybody was smiling at him, but they weren't smiling at him. They were smiling at a sign that was on the wall behind him that said, uh, first the Saturday believers, then the Sunday believers. Uh, I agree with you, John. Uh, There's an arrogance in the West. Uh, I think it's being taught a lesson right now. The situation in America is on the decline uh, America as a world power seems to be disinterested. Uh, Vladimir Putin is taking opportunities in the region to uh, call the bluff of the American leadership. I know Israel's watching him very carefully, uh, but it's absolutely s- stupidity to think that uh, what we're seeing in England won't happen here. Uh, the legitimization of Sharia law is becoming a fact in, in London. And I know that barristers and solicitors around England have been told to sharpen up their understanding of Sharia law as it's implemented into the courts of, the, of Great Britain. Uh, and so this is a, an infiltration. I think this is more uh, uh, progressive than uh, jihadism. Uh, when the terrorist attacks, we, it draws our attention. But the creeping giant is like a virus in your computer. It keeps gaining ground and it often goes unnoticed.
John, in Melbourne, thank you so much for your call and being part of 2020 today. When we talk about some of these threats against Israel, uh, we've seen over these uh, years that have just gone by, the Arab Spring, there is a very much a spring in the step of uh, Islamic militancy. Uh, how much of a threat is that to Israel today, Ron? I don't think, I agree with John, I don't think it's as much a threat to Israel as it is to Great Britain, the United States, Australia and the rest of the world. Um, Israel's very alert, um, uh, very much on the ball. Uh, Infiltration into Israel as a group is very difficult. Uh, But in a uh, situation like democracy, uh, we can be very naive at times. Uh, But uh, it's a situation where we have to be on the alert Uh, Not every Arab is a dangerous Arab. Uh, Some of them are delightful people. I've enjoyed their hospitality and their friendship over the years, and they are as much alarmed about the situation as we are. Uh, But I think it would be wonderful if uh, some of the uh, Islamic leaders would speak out against terrorism and bring it to the attention of the world that they don't support it. But, of course, that's a very dangerous stand to have in the Islamic world. Let's continue to take some calls. Bev is in Brisbane. Hello, Bev. Welcome to 2020. Hello. Hello, Ron. Hi, Bev. I'm thrilled that you're on radio because 20 years ago we wouldn't hear any of this. And I've been involved in the, since the 90s praying for the return of Israel, um, the, the people in Alia. Yes. And, um, and, and as you know, not many people knew much about God's plan for Israel and the part of the church. Right. And now here you are on Vision Radio talking about it. So I, I just praise God for that. Well, I want to congratulate you because you must be a prayer warrior. God's been listening. <laughs> uh, I am. As you know, Operation Exodus was started by Gustav Scheller, and he was given uh, the go-ahead by Papa to, um, to start to bring the Jews after the... Uh, Russian-Soviet Union fell. Yes. And isn't it funny that the first sailing was out of Odessa in the Ukraine? Absolutely. And, and, and very... <laughs> and um, I'm just so thankful that now um, people like yourselves are getting to speak to ordinary Christians because, as you know, this um, replacement theology is everywhere. And, um, and it's a, a big barrier to the church. Um, we need to actually come in repentance um, and acknowledge, you know, um, that 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 we have um, we have not blessed Israel. Um, it's just amazing to me that if people are taught what we have done as a nation and even as churches to the Jewish people, um, we would just be totally repentant. Yes. And so um, we've, we have had a very big prayer initiative on breaking replacement theology in the church. I mean, most people don't even realize that most of the mainline churches that are affiliated with the Australian Council of Churches has gone against Israel and supported Palestine. And uh, that's not good. <laughs> it was very interesting that they, they came up with these boycotts against Israel and the Christian Arabs uh, initiated a new movement in Israel called Boycott, and they're encouraging the world to buy Israeli-made products. Uh, but I love uh, your comments because this year uh, Passover and Easter both fall on the same weekend, and Hanukkah and Christmas also fall on the same weekend. And I'm very excited that uh, this Easter Sunday 
I'll be leading up a Passover Seder in a church in, uh, on Russell Island. So uh, it's very important for us to go back to the Jewish roots of the Bible and understand what Jesus was trying to communicate to us when he took that cup in the Passover Seder. And what he shared with the uh, disciples wasn't indeed a Last Supper. It was a Passover Seder. And uh, he took the cup, and it was the cup of redemption. And he said, I won't drink this again until I drink it in my Father's kingdom. And when we take the cup, we don't understand the significance of what Jesus was saying. They reclined at the table. They were in fellowship with one another. And if you look at the paintings of the Last Supper, there's no matzah. uh, There's no indication of the Jewish background because the church leaders of the time wanted to break away and be in favor with the Romans rather than the Jews. So it's an illuminating insight. Bev from Brisbane, thank you so much for your call. It's Neil with you on 2020. Our special guest this hour is Ron Ross, our longtime reporter on Israel and the Middle East. We are talking about Middle Eastern issues today and we are taking your calls. You can call us on 1-800-880-876 if you'd like to contribute to our conversation today. 1-800-880-876. Emma is in Cairns. Hello, Emma. What's your contribution oh, to our chat today? Emma. Good. Yes, hello. Ron's listening in too. Yeah, thank you. I was so touched with the conversation about the nation of Israel. Oh, that was great. Because I'm one of them that used to pray for the Israelites. I believe in that Bible that uh, God created the heaven and earth. And the Bible was written from Genesis to Revelation which is from Israel. I thank for your um, conversation on nation of Israel because I always pray for Israel. And I also have a flag of Israel in my bedroom, which I put it on the wall. And every week, every day, I was on my knee praying for the nation of Israel that I was thanks for the Jewish that because of that nation, today we know who is God is and Heaven is really and there is hell that today so many souls are lost out there and they don't know that um, Jesus is really, he came down to die for us and take away all our sins. It doesn't matter what uh, situation we are in, but I was so thankful for that nation and I was so blessed with your family that um, you were in Israel and you believe in a Jewish, the Bible that today we believe on it, even though that so many powerful Islamic countries, but we are a nation of um, Christian, we must stand together as a body of Christ and pray for the nation of Israel. Emma, if I can ask you, what's your nationality? I can hear your accent, I'm not exactly sure of it. What's your nationality? New Guinea. You're from New Guinea? Yeah. Okay, appreciate what you're saying there. And Ron, when we talk about uh, Genesis through Revelation, uh, the common thread there, of course, is God's people and uh, and uh, certainly some good sentiments coming there through Emma from Cairns. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, the Bible from Genesis to Revelations is the story of his story, Jesus' story. And uh, it all started with the Jewish people. And uh, when he comes back, he's not coming back to Sydney or Brisbane or New York or London. He's coming back to Jerusalem. Uh, how sad it will be if we don't know how to get there. 
Exactly. Emma, I want to thank you so much for your contribution today on 2020. I want to get under some more of those meaty issues. Uh, the major threats to Israel, Ron, uh, what are, if you were identifying them, the top three major threats to the nation of Israel? Well, I have insight here from Benjamin Netanyahu. Uh, Josh Reinstein is a good friend of ours back in Israel. He's the uh, founding director of a group called the Christian Coalition, and his office is in the Knesset, in the parliament in Jerusalem. And he met with the board of Bridges for Peace last week, and uh, he told them he'd just come from a meeting with Bibi Netanyahu, and uh, he'd been advised by the prime minister uh, to make people aware of the three major threats to Israel in current times. And uh, number one on the list was Iran poses an existential threat. He said, the, uh, Netanyahu said, the failure of world leaders to deal with the Iranian threat is of utmost concern to the people of Israel. Iran has recently heightened the rhetoric, releasing internet videos which show their fighter jets bombing Israeli landmarks, including the airport, attacking U.S. ships in the region and attacking Israel with a nuclear bomb. So this was number one on the Prime Minister's list. Number one is Iran. What's number two? Boycott, divestments and sanction known as the BDS movement. The Prime Minister identified these actions against the State of Israel as classical anti-Semitism, which is hatred of the Jewish people. How can the world speak of boycotting Israel while they do virtually nothing about the human rights violations occurring just north of Israel in Syria, where thousands have been killed in the ongoing violence? Prime Minister of Israel has said Israel is being targeted because of hatred of Jews and God who called them his special treasure. And uh, Becky Brimmer, the CEO of Bridges for Peace, added, as true followers of Jesus, we need to stand up for the people he is bringing home in fulfilment of Bible prophecy, as well as those who are suffering under anti-Semitism in the Ukraine and countries around the world. The number three item, that's the BDS movement, was number two. And the number three is the recognition of Israel as a Jewish state. The Prime Minister is under tremendous pressure, Josh said, to allow for the creation of a Palestinian state fully recognized by Israel. Yet their one demand to be recognized as a Jewish state has been denied. The Arab League has sent a strong message saying they will not recognize the Jewish state of Israel. Netanyahu has asked with a note of puzzlement in his voice, how the Palestinians can hope for recognition and deny the Israelis' recognition. So they're the three top. And three very significant issues. When you talk to various groups, uh, when you're doing your internet broadcasts, uh, what do you encourage Christians to do? I mean, here we are on the other side of the world. It feels like we're a long way away. It feels like we don't have a lot of empowerment to do too much. Uh, but apart perhaps from uh, doing something very significant, of course, praying for the peace of Jerusalem, yeah. uh, what is your encouragement to Christian believers, knowing that these threats are coming against uh, the nation of Israel as God's people? Well, that's the first one, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. I, I believe that's praying for the return of Jesus, the Prince of Peace. Yeah. Um, the peace of Jerusalem's not going to happen until he steps foot back in the city. Uh, but the other areas, uh, Bridges for Peace, International Christian Embassy of Jerusalem and other groups are all bona fide outreach groups from Christian uh, motivation missionaries who are doing a mighty work. Uh, you know, it, it was saddened for me to come home and hear people talk about relationships between Bridges for Peace and ICJ 
the Christian embassy being in any way in competition. We're brothers and sisters in Christ, and we work together in Jerusalem. You know, uh, it's only in places like Australia where we're isolated from the front line uh, that we can be so lazy as to think that Christians on the front line have an opportunity to be antagonistic to one another. You, you stand and you survive through unity. I mentioned to the staff this morning when we took communion uh, that the link between the Passover Seder and the Easter message, uh, it comes about by the relationship the Jewish people have in their Passover of unity. If you attack one Jew in Israel, you would take on the whole nation. You don't take on one Jew, you take on Israel. And uh, we have to get that understanding that when we take communion, we're in a covenant relationship with God. But as Christians, we're in a covenant relationship with each other. And so if you offend or, or, or abuse a Christian brother or sister, that offends me. That's an attack against my faith. That's a, a, an attack against what I believe. It's a, a continuing crucifixion of Christ happening in another brother and sister. And so we need to rise up in defense of one another and surround each other in support, holding up one another's arms that we might worship and praise the Lord together. And the lesson for that is to look at Israel through the centuries. They've been absolutely persecuted, brutalized, murdered, massacred, and they stand together as one. And uh, I've been to Holocaust Museum. I've been through Birkenau and Auschwitz and those places many times. And to have pictures of, uh, of the Jewish people in the concentration camps praying in the Passover Seder that they conducted in the most horrible conditions. Next year in Jerusalem, they would pray as one. I remember one particular visit there. Uh, it was pouring with rain. It was damp. It was wet. But there was a group of high school students marching behind an Israeli flag. And they were singing, I'm Israel high. My Israel lives in Hebrew. And I followed them in the mud and in the rain. I followed them into an auditorium. And being ex-television, I became very interested that they walked into a a place that was set up as a TV studio. And there were spotlights, there were TV cameras, the whole thing. And there was a great big uh, mural on the wall of a group of Jewish concentration camp victims leaning up against the barbed wire fence. And at the front of that group, there was a little boy of about six years of age. And I watched as these young people sat in the seats and this old man came out to speak to them in Hebrew. I couldn't understand what he was saying, but he was passionate. He, he gave himself to the message. He lived every word he said. And I let them leave in silence. I sat back and let them go uh, in what was a very uh, sincere and sedate moment. But when I stepped outside the building, the leader of Bridges for Peace was standing with this old man who had just been speaking. And they called me over and they introduced me to this old man uh, who had tears in his eyes. And he turned around and he said, it was Christians who got me out of Germany into Israel. And today I'm a poet. And I said, and what were you? He said, I was the little boy at the fence. And twice a year he takes high school students back to Auschwitz to say, Never again. And the high school students rise up and say, I'm Israel High. And uh, it's that kind of passion that I'd like to see come into the youth in the Christian churches. And what I can hear you saying, Ron, is that there are some things that unite Christian believers together. And a right attitude towards Israel and the struggles that they are going through 
is one of those things that can unite believers and break down those denominational barriers. And we can say, yes, uh, biblically, we can support the people of God. Well, I was just talking about Josh Reinstein and his statements from B.B. Netanyahu. You know that B.B. Netanyahu's uh, press uh, spokesman is an Aussie. Uh, He's from Melbourne, uh, Mark Regev. And his family had their own Holocaust story. But I used to sit down with Mark Revo and we would talk Aussie rules. Uh, but then I met Josh Reinstein, who comes from Texas. And we would talk about the Dallas Cowboys. And God gives you access to these people so that you might be able to witness to them and glorify his name. And we will look forward every Tuesday to your continued input here on 2020, Ron. Uh, When we cross to Ron with those uh, opportunities to talk about that breaking news out of Israel and the Middle East, uh, we will now be enriched knowing your passion for the nation of Israel. And you know what? When you start to talk about all of that stuff, it starts to make sense. And I believe there'll be listeners right around the nation who'll be Much appreciative of that, and we will be hanging on every word when we hear the Ron Ross report on a Tuesday. Ron, fabulous to have you part of 2020 today. Thanks very much for being with us. Thank you very much, Neil. Like what you've just heard? There's more great podcasts, or you can listen to us live at vision.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation of any amount will help us continue connecting faith to life. Learn more or donate today at vision.org.au.